All right, today we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and this chapter briefly rehearses, rehearses some of the things that are true of those who are in Christ. Uh, he issues a warning or a word of caution at the outset, but then sets forth the blessings that Christians can be sure of, even in the midst of hardship, and finally reminds us that we are together as believers, the temple of God. So let's think about a couple of things that we find here. And one is, how do you receive the grace of God in vain? How do you receive the grace of God in vain? So Paul opens the chapter with a word of caution. And, and like I said, and, and after saying uh, just a few verses earlier that Jesus was made to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21, just after extolling the infinite grace of God in the gospel, he begins uh, verse 1 of this chapter appealing to the Corinthians not to receive the grace of God in vain. You know, um, th those verses are right next to each other. What does Paul mean by that phrase? We need to be clear on that so that we know how to apply the same word of caution to our lives. In, in this context, the phrase in vain means to be of no benefit to you. So you might say Paul is urging them to receive the grace of God uh, in such a way, don't, don't receive the grace of God in such a way that it is of no value or benefit to you. The only way someone could conceivably receive the grace of God and it be of no benefit to them is to profess to have received it, but it really not, and truly, but not be an inward reality in their lives. It would be to say that you have received the grace of God, but it be of no value or benefit to you because it was not really true. Paul urges those in the church in Corinth against the very thing that very thing when he appeals to them not to receive the grace of God in vain. That leads to a question, though, of how a person could ever know that about themselves. How would you know whether or not you've received the grace of God in vain? Well, notice the first half of, of verse 1. He says, working together with him, that is Christ, then we appeal to you. I, I think this helps answer the question. Those who have not received the grace of God, described in 2 Corinthians 5.21, in vain, are those who then carry on working together with Christ to grow in grace and to bear witness to him and, and of his grace. Those who produce no fruit of this sort in their lives are liable to the warning uh, being true that they have received the grace of God in vain. Grace in a person's life always produces fruit in a person's life. John the Baptist said that. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And, and, that, and, that, and bear fruit, fruit uh, in keeping with repentance at the very least, means ongoing repentance for when we fail again and again. Good works are, are not the root, but they are the fruit of salvation. That's why Martin Luther said that we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone, meaning it is always accompanied by and produces good works. Secondly and finally, let's think about some words about the temple here. On the end of this, at the end of this chapter, Paul reminds the church that uh, something that was true about them in Christ. He tells them in verse 16, for we are the temple of the living God. And he uses this as an encouragement and incentive to live holy and upright lives. He uses this as an encouragement and incentive to, to purity. When he told them that they were the temple of the living God, no doubt their thoughts would have immediately turned to the Jewish temple in Jerusalem and what a holy place that was to Old Testament Jews it was a place where the manifest presence of God resided and Paul says uh, in in verse 16 what agreement has the temple of God with idols he asks would it be conceivable uh, 
to profane the holy temple of God, that temple, by bringing idols and other things to profane it? No. Yeah, that's the assumed answer. So if that's the case, if you wouldn't bring it to the temple in Jerusalem and defile it in that way, knowing that God no longer resides manifestly in that temple in Jerusalem, but is now manifestly present in within every single Christian, why would we involve ourselves in things that profane and bring dishonor upon the name of Christ? That's akin to the application we we now have of the third commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain. Many think this simply refers to something like cussing or but it, but it means, but it means so much more than that. To take the Lord's name in vain has the same meaning as a a a, a woman taking the name of her husband. When we when we trust Jesus Christ, we take his name on ourselves and we bear his name wherever we go and everything we say and do and think reflects on his name that we bear. In the same way, we are the temple of the living God and every immoral or profane thing that we do is much like bringing idols into the Holy of Holies. This is a helpful way of thinking about it and it helps us to see the seriousness of the, the caution that Paul gives in the first verse that we looked at earlier. And those are just a couple of quick thoughts uh, from Second Corinthians chapter 6.